Double XL's the breakers for all you aspiring rappers who need a little help getting on. This is the place to get all the info on how to make it in hip-hop from some of the biggest and most experienced names in the game, like me, your dope boy Troy Ave. Pay attention and special guests drop knowledge to help you become a star. This is Double XL's The Break Podcast. What's up? This is Vanessa Satin from Double XL Magazine, Editor-in-Chief. Touching base with you guys about The Break Podcast. I know we're a little late coming back, but a little technical snafu and here we are. Um, Miranda, my partner in crime for this, is not with us right now, Miranda Johnson, but she will be back soon. We missed you guys. I know you missed us. That was good to hear. Um, got some requests from you guys about the next episode, which is your live performance. Um, so we wanted to talk to people, all sorts of people, about live show and, and the best way to, to, to have a live show. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge Tech 9 fan. Um, I do believe Tech 9 has the best live show in hip hop. If you have not seen Tech 9's live show, then you should see Tech 9's live show. Um, and that even means going to YouTube and watch some of the performances because um, I've definitely done a lot of that. But so we talked to Tech 9 about your live show, your live performance, because uh, if anybody's going to give advice, that would be the person. Um, also spoke to Big Crit. Big Crit, uh, straight out of Mississippi, is um, got also a great live show. Um, so we spoke to him about some advice. And Adam Lublin, who's the VP of Talent at AEG, um, gets a breakdown about what makes a good hip-hop show and what a booking agent is and how important Coachella is and all that. So we're going to start with tech and see what he has to say about your performance. Here you go. So it always been the live performance. It used to piss me off uh, back in the day because a lot of the MCs was like, oh, man, your show was killer, man. You know what I'm saying? But... You know, I always felt like I rap better than a lot of these motherfuckers. But, mm-hmm. you know, uh, after a while, I started peeping that we did extra. We, you know, we do extra than a lot of hip-hop artists, than a lot of rock artists, and a lot of artists, period. You know what I mean? And uh, I started taking it as a compliment after a while. Chris Calico always told me to take it as a compliment because I always wanted to be known for how much I put into my lyrics. But without the show, a lot of rappers don't know this, and I do a lot of features with big artists and one thing I don't understand is why they don't write it to do it live you know right. some 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 songs right. that some songs that I do like one I just played for you we will never be able to do it live because it never stops you know what I'm saying you want right. to, to breathe you know what I mean um and you had said that about Fragile, right? Yeah, You had said that about what's yeah, Fragile, yeah, that would, the way we, Kendrick's verse was, we, it would be we would, hard to do We would do have live. to help him do it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But Kendrick has found a way to master not saying all the words and make it still sound good during his live show. I peeped it, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. uh, that's a cool um, thing that he does. But And that's we, because in the studio, it allows you to punch in or exactly. change the verse to such a degree exactly. you're not physically possible exactly. to perform it that way live. We don't rap like that, you right. know what I'm saying? We don't do that, you know what I'm saying? Because we were taught different, you know what I'm saying? Through the, the school of Icy Rock, you know what I mean? Um, me and Chris Calico, uh, when we first got with Icy Rock, he's a DJ in Kansas City. I was like 19, and I would be just writing rhymes, and he'd be like, so how are you going to say that live? And I'm like, I don't know. You know what I mean? I had to learn that. Like, So when you hear me rhyming, like, follow me. All around the planet, I run the gamut, no psychology. They can never manage with you damage with no apology. Pick them up, they panic a little minute, because I got to be frantic. I'm a gem because I'm an oddity. <gasps> you got to take a breath right there so you can say, gobble the trekker like I'm grabbing that mama knockers. I can pop at your papa because the pot does a walker flocker. You know what I'm saying? It's like you got to be able to do it live because without the live show there's no fucking awareness 
You know what I'm saying? Right. Of course you have the internet now, but we didn't have that back then. You right. know, but, you know, other than that, a lot of these artists now are getting out on the road that wasn't out on the road. Like, back in the day when we started, dude, it was like, it was, it was slim. It was like Talib Kweli was on the road. Um... Um, atmosphere was on the road, you know what I'm sizzling? It was just, a different day. They didn't have oh, the, yeah, the booking man. agents the same way. Totally, man. It wasn't dependent on making money yeah, that way. Yeah, yeah. So, the venues weren't the same. So, so it fucks with me sometimes when um, I get some verses back and I say, damn, we ain't going to be able to do it live because we do this. We live for the live performance. Because one thing they'll never be able to take away. B Real told me that some years ago in Switzerland. He said, man, they can take away... Um, they could try to take away um, vinyl. They could try to take away all the DJ shit and everything. And you can't sample, the, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Whatever Samples, they can, everything, but they take cannot take away the live show, dude. And right. Without the live show, man, you're pretty much lost. You right. know what I mean? You know, you got major artists that can't even fill a fucking 500-seater. You know what I mean? And right. they're, they're played on the radio way more than us on video every day. But the motherfuckers don't get out. They just do their summer jams and it's over. It's more than that, man. Well, yeah. I think people, all, you know, can traditionally make fun of a hip-hop performance when you have a whole bunch of people on stage. Totally. You know, more people that than the audience be, and stuff. I'm, okay, let me, let, me, let, me, let me back that up. I was going to say that shouldn't be a hip-hop show, but even when we did the Rogue Dog Villain shows, you know what I'm saying, it was like six of us, but the hood was happy to be there with us, so we brought them with us. Right. We learned after a while that that shit looks tacky. Right. You know, Wu-Tang is like a gang of niggas, so right. of course it's going to be a gang of niggas if it's some old niggas behind the gang of niggas. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it works for some people, but for what we do, man, you know, this is entertainment, and and, and the hood is happy for us still mm -hmm. out in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? The so you're rehearsing? To, I mean, what's that? I mean, you've got such an intricate show. Yeah, you have what's, to rehearse. You have rehearsal space. You rehearse. What's that really like? I mean, that's something I'm not used to seeing rappers do is go to rehearsal, uh -huh. have a rehearsal space, uh -huh. have yeah. a routine. Yeah, um, back in 2001 when we did Angelic, right before we was about to go on tour with Jay-Z at, at the Sprite Liquid Mix Tour, um, I told Travis we needed to practice. We needed a spot that we can rehearse and... Because I used to be a dancer, so, you know, pop, lock, and break dance and everything. Michael Jackson dancing, whatever, the MC Hammer, whatever it was. You so know. it was automatic for you to bring it into your yeah, show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So when that music is, if you got scratched, nigga, get the fuck up. You know, it makes you want to move like that. Right. So I taught it to Chris and Grant Rice and Cut Calhoun, and we and Travis found a, a ballet conservatory, man. Like, little girls were coming out when we were going in. You know what I'm saying? It was yeah. so weird, but we had to get it done before we had... The space, built our own space. We had to rent out a space to practice. Right. And we did all these songs for for this show and came up with moves and shit. You know what I mean? I think that's important because it's entertainment. You right. know what I'm saying? You have to be able to have people come to your show and say... I want to go back, and you have to see this, what I just saw. Make an experience. Yeah, right. you know what I'm saying? Because when you go to these towns at the beginning, man, you know, seven people, mm -hmm. your ego is shot. You know what I mean? You right. want it to be, like, right off the bat. And like, a lot of these, like, New York is hard as fuck for me to crack, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Before I was at Irvine Plaza, Irving Plaza or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was doing a little bitty fucking hole in the walls and shit, and fucking Just Ice was coming to see me and shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. little bitty spots where niggas are sweating. Yeah, it's hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's like a lot of these places started with, like, only seven or ten people. Right. You know, and that was counting my security. And we did that shit like it was 7,000 people. But you grew into it. I mean, so for for example, with Come Gangster, you have a routine with a chair. 
Yes. You know, so that is is that you and and that's you sitting and, and performing for the audience from the chair. Yes. Which is part of the showmanship. So yes. how do you come up with something like that? And even I noticed you gave that to Stevie Stone in his set. Yes. And bring that over he to him. It. So yeah, you're, you're bringing, it. is that you teaching them that? And what does that mean to bring up, you know, so this it's not dancing, but it's some sort of presentation yeah. that you're giving to the set, not including, we'll go to the mask in a sec. It all starts with the music, man. Um, I, I was the one putting a lot of albums together in the beginning because I grew up around DJs, you know what I mean? So I know BPMs and shit like that. So if we're going to start off fucking hyper as hell, doing Einstein and bounce a bubble and fucking straight out the gate and all this kind of shit, at some point it has to calm down and get intimate. So that's when the chair comes out, sit down, and you get intimate with people. Right. Over the years, my artist starts seeing that this shit worked. When the lighters go up and everything on this ring and uh, Come Gangsta or Red Nose or what, whatever the dim songs are, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying, that we could do live, the, the, the chair, even though you're sitting down, it's still some power to it. Because, right. You know what I mean? and uh, you can That's one of my favorite performances of yours, just yeah. because I think you don't see it coming whatsoever, yeah. and it's still got the power, but the intimacy to it at totally, the same time. Man, you know? Totally, So they learn that. A lot of my artists, from Chris Calico to Stevie Stone, I, I haven't seen Mayday and them sit down yet, you know what I mean? <laughs> but uh, they learn from So that's me. not you saying, okay, put this in your performance, uh -uh, that's no, them no, no, picking no. it up as no, they no, go. No, no, they just pick it up as they go. You know, the song, they, they, they say, you, you peep game watching the Tech Nine show. The people that go on tour with me, they watch my show every night. If it's 67 dates, they'll watch it every night. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And right. They tell me that. All my artists like, man, it's like we never get tired of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I'm like, damn, that's something. You know what I mean? But they've peeped shit over the years and see what works for them. Like, how do we fit these songs in? Okay, tech fit this ring and um, come gangster in right here. We can sit down right here on... Um, the, um, I forgot what song Stevie sings when he sits down. Uh, I forgot, but mm -hmm. it's a beautiful song, you know what I mean? Um, they learn it. Right. I mean, it's not like biting or anything. It's right. just like no, not at all. game, you yeah. know what I'm saying? And then you're performing 60 to 90 minutes? Uh, yeah, it's like, um, yeah, it's like roughly 100. 100? I mean, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's roughly like... Uh, <laughs> Oh, I'd say an hour and 45, an hour you know what I'm saying? You know, right. We had two-hour shows, and I couldn't do it no more. It's too much. For what we do, two fucking hours, man, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's too much. Man, I started cutting my show down a lot more, you know what I mean? Because we do entirely a, a lot for people, you know what I'm saying? So I tried to cut it down to an hour and 20. Right. And on this one, I tried to cut it down to an hour and 10, but with all the talking and everything, it's still like an hour and 20, you know what I'm saying? Right. How important is it to communicate with the fans from on stage? You know, you'll see performers and they do song, song, song. Yeah. But sometimes when they stop and they break and they talk to you for a minute, they feel more human. They do. So is that for you, is that an important Oh, part? totally. When it's time for me to, like, it's uh, the show will go for like 40 minutes straight before we go manual mm -hmm. so we'll stop it right before we do fragile and i'll talk to them and make jokes and shit they laugh sometimes you know i wish i could really do uh comedy man because right. sometimes i say some shit up there and everybody laugh it feels so good i'm like oh if i just had so many jokes i could tell in between my shit you know what i'm saying jamie fox is a fucking genius man he can play and sing right, and, he can do, and do jokes and shit. I'm like, fuck. You yeah. know, Eddie Murphy can do it too, you know what I'm saying? A lot <laughs> of them can do it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But uh, like, it's, it's, it's beautiful up there being able to talk to them and they hear you speak. You know, you have to talk to them. You have to connect. Mm -hmm. And we have that built into our show, you know what I mean, on mm -hmm. purpose because every night you're going to say something different. Even if it's vulgar, 
You know what I mean? Even if the parents don't like that their seven-year-old is there seeing areolas, you know what I'm saying? It's like... Well, areolas, I mean, that that's a little bit crazy. Oh, yeah, Nobody really knows crazy. what to make of that. And, I mean, how do you get girls to take their tops off? I mean, like... Um, I feel like if you do <laughs> good music... Their bras off, I feel like you if know? you do good music, you can get women to take off anything. You know what okay. I'm saying? And uh, uh, areola was me being diabolic. You know what I mean? It was It was supposed to be a parody of... Some rap shit, you know what I'm saying, that we mm -hmm. thought was funny, you know what I'm saying? Ooh, like, motherfucking rappers can say anything, just one word, and be stupid as fuck, and right. then it blows and up. The response, and yeah. it happened to me. I was making fun of that kind of rap, right? and now they chanted over... Is that part of every show? It has to be. It has to be. Forever. Right. It's right. like a staple now. And I thought that doing it for metalheads, it would be normal. But not fast, and... Um, the other fest we did with Rob Zombie and all that kind of shit, them motherfuckers came from backstage with their phones like right. they never seen this. I and I'm think like, it's pretty wild. You know, I remember uh, Slaughterhouse being on tour with me and uh, <laughs> we were uh, going to meet and greet during the day in Minnesota and Joe Budden, he smokes like a chimney. So he's uh, out there smoking a cigarette and I walk up to him and say, so you're going to make the bitches show their titties or what now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yes, every night. I got you, bro. I remember watching TD watch it happen in Kansas, in, uh, in wherever it was, yeah. whatever, Lawrence. Yeah. And them sitting there, it was like, you know, punching top and watching, and all of a sudden that happens. Everyone went crazy. And Adrian, they were sitting up looking around. We were all like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. But, I, guess, um, I guess that's something unique about me, too, man. I'm a Scorpio male, so, you know, I love. Little, uh, female anatomy, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I think a lot of guys love female anatomy. It doesn't mean they I get them they to do. throw their bra up there. Some but dudes like male anatomy. You know what I, mean? I, like, I like female. Yeah. What about um? What do you think is the biggest problem you see with um a lot of young artists' performance today? When you see a new artist, if you happen to catch someone, I don't know when you're seeing new artists perform live, but if you do, if you went to South by and you saw somebody jump on stage, what's the biggest to, thing you see? I talked to Zeus about this. It kills me that motherfuckers are on TV rapping over their fucking lead vocals. Mm -hmm. I done seen the major niggas do it, man. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, yeah. man? You know what I'm saying? And I guess some people need training wheels. You know, um, that's what the track... I mean, I used to do it back in the day. Right. You know, in case you drop a word, you can get back on. But, you know, if you want to, you want the world to hear that you're a real artist and you're really doing that shit... Um, you know, Zeus couldn't believe I was doing Worldwide Choppers with no lead vocal. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like right. dub version, like it's like a, a word to come up every once in a while, it but I'm doing It seems common sense to say be able to know how to perform your music live, though, <laughs> yeah. and get through your verse live. Yeah. Like, it seems like that would be common sense. Yeah, man. But you still, but no, you get the assistance like the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's people on TV that still do it, man. Yeah. The BET Awards, I'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I've never been invited, but... I'd show them how to do it if they, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd bring my own sound, man. They would have to move out the way right. because they fuck up the sound all the time. You know what, what about I mean? presentation? Um, what do you mean, what presentation? As far as seeing kids and new artists, what do they do wrong? What do they do right? What do you think the biggest thing to keep in mind for your presentation is? I mean, you have you have always had a physical presentation from yeah. the face paint yeah. to the red hair to yeah. everything that yeah. stuck to out, which and you caught heat for and were more embraced for even later. So, do you yeah. mean, is, what do you think that is to do something to stand out, go that route? I think um, when it started, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five had get ups. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? I think when it started, Kumo D had a get up. Mm -hmm. I think Houdini had a get up. Public Enemy. Andre 3000. Andre 3000, yeah. Public Enemy, S1Ws. Um, 
It's entertainment. So that's okay. Uh, I think I think you have to put forth the effort, and you know, sometimes I see Chatters Gambino up there with a dirty white T-shirt and some shorts and some boat shoes. I'm like, God damn, how does he get that off? But yeah. that works for some people, right. you know what I'm saying? But right. I think this should be entertainment. Mm -hmm. And uh, is that more of a rock approach? Do you think or no? You no, think I don't think I'm scared I, no, of that type of thing. No, 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 because no, no. no. NWA they were in the thing. You know, when DOC and right. Easy E was there, everybody had on their Raider shit. Everybody was in uniform. But I now mean. it seems like it's easier to be cool. Yeah, it you is. Know, and you know, it's easier with to the be cool. Shit, I don't yeah. really know nothing about it, but it, it's like. Um, I come from the era where it's supposed to be entertainment, and that's why I'm going to last for fucking ever. Right. Because we're going to always try to make that show better and better. I just added a band. Right. It's like late in my life, and we're adding shit to the show and not sticking to the same old shit. Right. You know what I mean? And it's we're not still... slowing down. You're still doing 372 million yes. shows a year. Yes, yeah. and, and we're still trying to heighten that... Three a day and shit, right? That, that, you know, that Tech Nine show, we're still trying to take it up. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Where do we go after the live band? Do we add pieces? Do we add bongos? Yes. Do we add fucking steel drums? Fuck yeah. Look, let's just... Do we add horns? Fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's mm -hmm. just keep getting better to make that show wonderful. I want to do fucking festivals, and now it's happening on this tour. If you are just the norm... Um, maybe you won't have that longevity. Right. And, you know, if it's working for you, more power to you. You know, when I say somebody's name, I'm not talking down on them. I'm just saying that I come from a different era where it has to be entertainment. If I'm fucking mentally insane and my mom, I used to visit my mom in psychiatric wards all the time when I was younger... It's a wonder I wear hospital scrubs on stage right. with a number across that right. says nothing. Right, house. right, right. You do have a bit of a You know what I mean? Yeah. And mm -hmm. if I feared a clown when I was younger, then I paint my face. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel like that I'm a superhero when I got that shit on. If I go on stage right now, I feel so naked. Right. Like normal, like fuck. Right. You know what I mean? I, I, everybody's looking at me. You know what I mean? That, that mask brings out um, some shit I wouldn't regularly do in, right. rare, in, in regular form. You can hide form. in it without hiding. Yeah, you can hide in it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and the things that you wouldn't say as the gentleman I am right now with that face paint, like, I want to eat your pussy. You know what I'm saying? From the stage, can you? How, how old are you? you know, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, I, right, I, right. I, I, I but with the mask. With the mask, I'm like, where the fuck did that come from? Right. Like, do you hear what you said tonight, dude? Because right, they you didn't see me behind the mask. <laughs> Just exactly. It was not me. You know, it was not me. That Tech Nine nigga. But um, I think that entertainment is important. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And that's that's how I feel like. I feel like I'm Dracula because uh, I feel like I'm getting younger no matter if this gray scruff is coming in or not, you know. Uh, I feel like I'm getting younger right. in this shit. And I can't wait to show everybody, you know right. what I'm saying, how, how to do it, you know what I'm sizzling. Uh, but by all means, if, if that's... Get this one thing straight. Everybody can't do what we do. Gangsta-ass niggas come from blood neighborhood doing Michael Jackson on stage and the moonwalking shit. Not happening for everybody. You're not about right. to see Riz and them doing that shit. Right. You're not about... Red Man and Method Man go live. Right. They're not about to be fucking doing Michael Jackson and shit. They probably could get it off. You know what I'm saying? But not too many niggas can get that shit off and um, doing dances and shit in the middle of hardcore-ass songs or, or 
fucking be walking maybe I don't know but mm-hmm. not Michael Jackson dude and right. people scream my nigga like no yeah so I don't expect everybody to be Mr. Pop Lock and shit with their music and shit because everybody can't do that shit you yeah. know what I mean um Gangster Red, I done saw him do it for with uh, Booyah Tribe. You know what I mean? They, they move. You know what I'm saying? Cause they yeah. know how to they know how to hit. You know what I'm sizzling and the music makes you move like that. I ain't saying that if people had to do what I do, it'll fuck the whole game up. Mm-hmm. Cause you'd have to try hella harder. Right. To try to stay afloat. If everybody does what strange music does. Uh, with music, with how far we take the music, with how far we take the touring and the merchandise and everything, of course it'll be a lot more established people, but if that's the bar, everybody's not going to reach that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So do what you do, but to me, it has to be entertaining for people to return. And like, okay, I already saw that, you know what I'm saying? I already saw, you know, um, Kid Cudi, so I won't see him this time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And Kid- then when they get there with you, interact with them, recognize the fans from show to show yeah. at times. I mean... It's to be able to, you've got your meet and greet, you've got all that before. So getting to the show, it's not just the performance, it's the chance of possibly having the interaction with you. Totally, too. man. You know what? You create this thing called a meet and greet where people will pay a certain amount to come um, say something to you. Right. Take a picture. You know, I always said if I wanted to get a nigga, I'd pay for a meet and greet and go get him face to face. Like, what you say, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> it's never, it never happened to me, yeah, knock right. on wood, but uh, right. because we got a lot of love. But, um, you create this thing called a meet and greet where you interact with your fans, dog, right. and they figure out that you're the dude on the records. Right. That's a fucking plus. Mm-hmm. When I'm so glad that Tech Nine is me, even though the face paint brings out some shit I wouldn't say in regular form. Yeah. That's inside of me, though. Everything right. that comes with that vulgar shit is inside of the Scorpio. Right. It gives you a way to get it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so. I'm just so the so tell glad. them it's like you're drunk. Your face mask is like you're drunk, yeah, and you can't say what you want. It feels like want. I'm on ecstasy. <laughs> yeah, okay. I used to be a, a, a drug addict. I'm, I'm clean now. You know what I'm saying? Like ten years clean. I think it's ten years now. Maybe nine, ten years. You. you know, uh, although my body still l- wants it. You know what I'm saying? But I found something that feels That's just addiction, like it. Right? it pussy feels just like it. So I was like, wow. You know, I could have just been getting pussy. <laughs> That's it. So there you go. You know what I'm saying? There you go. But um, the face paint feels like ecstasy and it in turn me becoming what I feared as a kid it become a staple mm-hmm. in a Tech Nine show right like I was supposed to do a show out here um uh, SOBs they canceled it you know sizzling because the Irving Plaza thing was s- selling more and mm-hmm. that one wasn't I'm like okay fuck it yeah you know what I mean and they didn't have my face paint dude coming in front I'm like I'm not doing that show without fucking <laughs> right. face paint get that nigga a plane ticket, man. Right. I'm not going out on stage like that, man. Right. When Busta Rhymes came to that show that we did for Funk Master Flex or whatever, and he was like, everybody don't know what the fuck they about to see. Watch this. When Busta says that and everybody's listening, yeah. you got to kick ass. Right. We kicked ass. Yeah. You know, I'm sizzling, and we're going to continue to kick ass. And I, I just hope that people get ideas from us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because uh, I think those scrubs are going to go down in history, hip-hop history, maybe. Yeah. Especially after May 4th. Yeah. My life is about to take another turn up. You know what I'm saying? So, so. with the last question, can you report, you got your new album in May 4th, can you can you record, or sorry, can you perform your whole album without uh, live if you wanted to? Yes, I could, because could. I, I have me and Chris Calico, so we will rehearse that shit. You will rehearse that Do shit I want figure to? out a way no. No. You know what I'm okay, saying? Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I have so many songs that I've been doing all these years. 
you know, to just do a whole album and you don't do Einstein or Riot Maker. Yeah, you gotta do the essential songs. You know what I'm saying? That, that Caribou for, yeah. and I'm a mm-hmm. player, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So fucked up, you know? Yeah. I would never just do the whole KOD Dark album. I'd kill myself at the end of it like I wanted to when I did the album, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, we could do anything live because we write our music to perform it live. And if you're not writing it to perform it live, what the fuck are you writing it for? Yeah, I think that's the most interesting part, yeah. yeah. All right, so that was a long interview from Tech It Should Be. I hope you all took that in. I hope you learned from it because um, because that's the person to learn it from. So, again, if you haven't seen a live show from Tech Nine, you should go see it. Uh, most interesting, The most interesting thing I took away from the Tech Nine interview was what he said about writing for your breath control for your performance, writing songs that you can actually perform live and how essential that is. Um, You know, you could write something, it could sound really cool, you can record it, you could punch it in, you know, you've got all these ad-libs, you've got everything going on, but it's a a song that you can never perform live and so you kind of never get the, the, you know, the mileage out of it that you want to with a hit song. So, you know, writing for your breath control for your live performance, I never thought about that before. I find it absolutely fascinating. Um, to even think that way. And, um, and then Tech even gives us examples of it and, and, and his breath control, which he's had to even learn what breath control is and, and, and how to use it on stage. And, you know, that's something we talked to a little bit later also with Big Crit and when hype men come in and everything. But, um, but we're on Tech right now. Another interesting thing that Tech said is how essential rehearsal is. Now, a lot of you might not have been to the Strange Music Compound, but you can see video of it on XXL's YouTube page. Um, Beside that, you'll see that the Strange Music Compound has a whole dedicated area uh, for the artist to rehearse and get a better show. And that's essential. I can't tell you how many times we've done shows with artists where they wanna pass on the sound check. They are just gonna show up and perform. Um, you wonder how much really goes into that show and, and making it the best they can if they're not even uh, paying too much attention to it. So I think rehearsal is an, it's tremendously important. And when I saw Strange Music actually rehearse, it, it kind of blew me away to see that that even existed because I don't see that too much. Um, another really interesting thing that Tech said is the order of the songs. Uh, how you give your songs to the artist, the run of show, how important that can be, you know, finding out... Um, which songs they like the most, introducing new songs to them, seeing what they like from your older material that you keep doing. And um, one other real important that Tech said was meet and greets. So there is this thing where you can meet uh, your fans before the show. Um, They can pay extra for a meet and greet or it could be part of the sponsorship, but how essential meet and greets are because those are the people who want to actually come and meet you, talk to you, They're the ones who are paying to actually see you perform. So this is their little chance to take a picture with you, touch you, shake hands with you, you know, get a story that they could tell people. And and a lot of times they can pay for these meet and greets. So showing up to the meet and greets, um, staying there for the whole time, making sure that you understand that the fans are coming there to see you and making an experience for them, all very important and something that Strange Music does very well um, and are really known for and a lot of people could learn from. And we've seen more and more artists... uh, follow in their in their footsteps um so that's tech i thought he was pretty great next we have is uh adam lublin adam is involved with pretty much every show you could think of these days not all of them but almost all of them he's also been a great friend xxl freshman for years helping us put on the freshman shows um in new york and la and the bay and atlanta and all the different places that we've been um that's all adam so adam is about to give us the breakdown on why these shows are important, what you should do as a new artist, when you should start paying attention to these booking agents, 
and these festivals and also how important rehearsing is. Um, a large part of my job pertains to hip hop shows because, you know, there's so much in the marketplace that, you know, it's constantly, it's constantly evolving and, you know, more than ever now artists are getting their start much more from a push the way alternative and indie bands would go out on the road and develop a fan base and then get a record label or then get radio play. A lot of times now you're seeing more of the guys like Travis Scott and the OG Macos and people like that that are getting out in front of audiences and really developing their live show and just putting on you know spectacular performances that are creating the buzz rather than having a radio single driving it. And a lot of times you know, you see that as the precursor because if you can have that kind of fan reaction without a huge hit record, when you actually do get that record, you're going to go a lot further. Right. So Chance the Rapper is a good example of someone who might Chance is a, a great example. He's, you know, maybe the poster child right now of being an artist who's selling a lot of tickets, putting on a great show, and has not a lot of, you know, really mainstream visibility outside of this really core fan base. So explain just for the ignorant, and I could be one of them, the, there's your role, what is the booking agent's role, what is the, who is the artist working with for the most part. I mean, you know, a lot of times I'll, I'll speak to you and you'll be like, well, this is who their agent is, or that's who their agent is. How do those relationships work, and what exactly is the, the role of the agent? There, there's only a handful of really strong agents, especially when it comes into the urban world, who do good development work. There's a handful of them that are really good at placing artists as support for bigger tours and for really knowing how to work the smaller club circuit and really knowing how to break into the college and, you know, underground network of all of these venues that um, cross the country and across the world now because it's really becoming a global business more than ever, even in you know, all of the subgenres, everything is starting to become really interconnected. And, you know, getting on these handful of agents' radar is a really important thing for an early developing artist, even now more so than ever before, and even before they get a record label deal. It's so important to have somebody who's really championing you. What we do is usually work hand-in-hand -hand with the agent and route most of the hard-ticket tour. The agent is really good for getting them into other soft ticket opportunities like festivals, which are now becoming really important in getting, you know, into breaking a new artist because you're getting in front of a much bigger base and you're also getting this opportunity to be on this, you know, thing that you're getting so many eyeballs on your name. So, what, you know, go ahead. What, is the, uh, what are the most important festivals do you think right now for new artists to be a part of or pay attention to? <clears throat> Well, I think, you know, the leader for all festivals is Coachella and what you see, you know, and after Coachella, everything else kind of follows in suit. So what happens is, you know, Coachella has a lineup and every festival after that tries to somewhat imitate what comes from Coachella. So if an artist, you know, and Coachella has a really great history of breaking newer artists that you know, wouldn't have this type of platform. And I've seen, especially in hip-hop, these newer rappers that are getting this opportunity to get on a stage, even if it's a 130 slot, just the credibility alone that you played Coachella 
every other festival chases after that artist. They automatically have, you know, this attention all over the world now because it's right. such a worldwide phenomenon. So even guys like Vic Menza, who had a 130 slot, you know, I went and I saw him both weeks at Coachella this year, and he was on fire and just blew everybody away. Now, you know, you see a lot of people that are looking, you know, how can I get a Vic Menza tour, or get him onto a tour with another artist, and what do I need to do to get him on my festival next year? Because he, even on that slot, still had, you know, 7,000 people in front of the stage and had the right industry people that went out of their way at 1.30 to go see him. Right. Other artists like Action Bronson, you know, I've seen really just go there in earlier slots over the last couple of years, you know, and just come out and go so over the top and put on, you know, such a, you know, blood, sweat, and tears performance that, you know, they created all of this new fan base they didn't have before. They just converted, you know, tens of thousands of new fans just like that. How early do you think a new artist should be paying attention to their very new artist? We're talking, and I said this over and over again, you know, more of your next-door neighbor or not quite uh, on industry that anybody knows their name too much, but how soon should they be checking or paying attention on their live performance and looking for a booking agent? When is it too soon? It seems like the um, the the agents are on the artist earlier than ever. Lately. Well, they are because the agents now, it's so competitive and a lot of times the agents want to get in so early, even before the record labels do, because, you know, now if they're not playing a role in the artist development, they're not getting to come in and commission at full rate. I think that the important thing for an artist early on, though, is to make the right music and to really hone their craft and not try to rush. You know, you should get out and do as many shows as you can, but not rush to take an agent just so you can say you have an agent at whatever company because it's usually pointless when you don't have the right records to connect and you don't have anything going on. You should be playing, you know, with the new music, with right. music that, that people are going to actually react to. It should be and a combination about, of music being worked along with your show. Right. And what about performing for free? One thing a lot of artists do early on is they – you know, they perform for free, so they wind up performing a lot in their city where does that person in their city might not be tired of them, tired of them, or they perform for free so many times, one time something comes around and asks for money, it gets weird. How do you balance that it's, kind of thing? It's such a catch-22, and I've seen, especially in New York, more than anywhere else, a lot of artists burn the market, which is their hometown where they should really be doing the hard-ticket plays, but they've had to, you know, do so many free shows to create this, you know, hype and attention around them to get a record label deal or get the radio play, you know, it becomes a very tricky situation. You know, at you should do it as much as you can in the early stages, and that, you know, is the most beneficial thing you can do is to get out there and perform your records when they're actually ready to be performed and to hone your craft by doing that. But then you have to know when it's time to shut that valve. And a right. lot of artists don't know how to then stop doing that and stop taking the under-the-table money. And you start seeing a lot of them wondering how come they weren't able to sell tickets, which is the real barometer to see where your fan base is. But if you've given these people this many shows for free over this much time and you've gotten them accustomed that they don't have to pay to go see you because they've seen you in every nightclub across the city five times, why are they going to go buy a ticket for you to go – you know, to go see you at the Best Buy Theater or the High Line, you know, 
why am I going to pay $30? I just saw him perform here, here, and here. So and how do you gauge as a new artist when you need somebody to help you with that, when you need to be looking at an agent to help you with that versus playing it out yourself? Is there... That that's when that's when you need to have an agent. When when you're actually capable of selling a show, to say to you, okay, now it's time to stop doing all of these plays. Now right. it's time to take a breather. You know what? Now I'm going to route you outside of this city that you've already overexhausted. Let me get you into Europe. Let me get you all over here. So then you're able to actually get out on the road, actually keep earning money, and now you could come back into a market that you might have burned eight months ago, but you're putting a new record out, and now you could go play and actually sell tickets and earn some money. So one record is enough for you to have a live show performance at this point? It, it could be. You know, yeah. it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to sell a lot of tickets, but it could at least get you a platform that you could go out and play, you know, oh, in a smaller venue at, at a low ticket price. You can. Right. Right. You know, right, and right. now now the Internet is such a phenomenon. What we're seeing more and more and more than ever before is you have less artists that are driving into the really big plays in the arenas and the theaters and more artists that are playing the 2,000 and below clubs. You know, right. you see so many artists that can sell that, and they think that they're automatically ready to take the next step into the 5,000-seaters because they've sold the 2,000-seaters, which is a lot of times really not the case. And right, should. and it's a big jump with 3,000 people and that kind of thing. But, yeah. you know, I guess when you're on stage and you see everybody cheering for you, you get a little thrown off. Yes. But for the newer artists, the key is to really play small and keep people waiting in the streets, to keep yeah. people wanting to get in, to feel like you have something that was so incredible and exclusive and the cool people got in early, and keeping those fans, and keeping those fans by not alienating them when you get to the next step. You know, and well, that's one of the things that the guys like Kendrick and Cole have done so well. Right, right. What would you say, you know, we spoke to a few artists, particularly uh, Tech Nine, who has known for his live show. What would you say to artists that you've noticed about a, a live hip-hop show for them to stay away or learn to embrace that would give them a better show in your experience? You know, I think one of the things that you see the artists doing, they don't go and put a lot of thought into the show. And the guys that are creative and put together like Chance, like Tech 9 you know, guys like that that put some creativity into the show and actually have some production and a band and have it well-coordinated and it's just not all over the place with 50 guys on stage, that keeps fans wanting to come to the show for the next time around when you're actually going into a bigger room. When you start that as your precedent where you're actually putting some quality on the stage you're able to go then take it to the next step and have people that want, you know, to spread the word of mouth how great it is. And that's the most important thing is being able to have those fans that went there feel like they need to tell everybody else how great this was. And that's how artists grow. And it's something that takes, you know, a number of years before you really hone the craft right. And the guys that you see that really have got it didn't just get it overnight in one record cycle. The guys that are the arena acts are arena acts for a reason. They play yes. all of the small rooms for many years. And it's the same thing in, in rock music. The parallels in rock and hip-hop, you know, in the early stages are really similar. Pop music is a little bit of a different world because things just take off a lot quicker. Once it's embraced, once, once Top 40 Radio takes it, you know, it's automatically worldwide. 
with hip hop, it's a much slower build. With indie rock, it's a much slower build. And you know, the hip hop artists that are taking playbook out of you know some of the smarter indie acts and how they built up their fan base are really the ones that are succeeding now. And the guys that have tried to follow too much of the pop audience, you know, in hip hop, it usually is a lot harder to get them to that point because the fans are not organic. A lot of the guys that you see that have the immediate quick huge hit record that's all over the radio, they usually don't have the touring careers. You usually see them fade in and fade out really fast and pick up a bunch of quick club gigs and don't really develop to the next step. The guys that have the slow build, I've really seen stick around and have careers. So what about, and then uh, wrapping up, but what about the relationship? I mean, artists tend to not take time very seriously set up, you know. Not, I couldn't, I didn't hear you. Could you, you repeat that? Sorry. What about, you know, guys who, you know, a lot of time rappers don't take sound checks that seriously, don't take getting to the show on time seriously, don't take wrapping up that seriously. What does that kind of thing do to a venue working with you, to agents or people working with you? You know, is, is it your song could be as good as possible and it just doesn't matter how you act or those kind of things play a role, you know, of not being professional enough at times? Well, you know, when you're selling arenas out, you could be on your worst behavior as long as you're selling that many tickets. But when you're on the very low end of the totem pole and you start doing all of that stuff and making it where you're known as a headache, you know, people just say, you know what, this falls in the life's too short category. If you're selling 15,000 tickets and you want to show up two hours late, no one's going to be happy about it, but it's dealt with. If you want to show up with an entourage of 100, but you're playing Barclays, that's fine. If you're playing, you know, a small 700-cap room in the El Rey Theater in L.A. and you want to show up with an entourage of 100 when the backstage fits 30, you're going to start being looked at as somebody who just is not easy to work with. And if there is a, you know, flip the coin, yay or nay, you're usually going to get the let's not go deal with this guy. Let's go for the other artist. Let's give the other artist the shot. Right. You know. You see that a lot. You see a lot of the guys that sometimes get too big for their britches early on, and it ends up becoming really detrimental. So it's never too early to learn and get your show together and get it right and get your performance uh, together in your career. It's never too soon to get that right and to to focus on that and to practice, and it's never worth it to burn a bridge in this capacity, no matter how hot your one song. Absolutely. That's the, the biggest thing is to start with the right touring habits and doing yeah. the right kind of shows and really acting like a professional when you go out and do it. Anything else you want to add, add Adam? That's been a great addition to no, our podcast. And, 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 of course, I'll, I'll add one other thing. You know, the XXL freshman is always something that, you know, I pay very close attention to for who's next. And, you know, that's something that I always look at is here, these are the next guys that, you know, I think – are going to be up touring and are going to have real careers. And, you know, the stuff that you're able to get your hands on early is such a a really good indicator of what's to come. And, you know, that's why it's so important, you know, that you have that issue every year. Thank you for that, definitely. Yes. All right, so Adam's great. Love to work with Adam. And, and, And that's the first time I've actually heard him talk really, really professionally about what he knows in his business because we're always just shooting this shit, I guess. But for the most part, what I took from that, which I hope you got, is one, the role of the booking agent. 
Um, how does that work? When do they come and play? How booking, you know, how the, the industry is very small. This community is a very small community of agents and, and people putting these shows together. So you don't want to make bad relationships and you want to be familiar with how it's running. Because um, all the music is really connected to your live performance, you know, and, and people connecting with you and wanting to go and see you and buy into you and, and meet you. Um, and the agents are getting involved more now than they ever did before. So it's more of an agent industry, booking agent, you know, thing with live artists. We didn't have as many performances back in the day. You go 10 years ago and that was, you know, nightclubs. Now there's more venues and, and, and big spots that are having artists come and perform. So you need these book booking agents, um, particularly with the festivals, which a lot of new artists go on. Very interesting that Coachella is as important as it is. You know, we, we see that a lot of the artists want to jump on these tours want to trip on these shows and they want to be able to get seen and be on to the next thing and you know adam explained that coachella is really the one that kind of sets the trend for you if you get on there then a lot of the other festivals are going to want to pick you up from there which is uh interesting um another thing is that you can create a new fan base if you have a good show so adam and i have talked and he's explained you know if you've got a good show that you're putting on, then somebody's going to want to come back and see you again, that they'll come back over and over and over again to see you if they really like your show. So you can get a new fan base. Maybe they're there and you're the opening act and they're there for a headliner, but they see you and they like you and they like the show you put on so automatically, now they're going to go in and and want to know more about you. I'll never forget when we were picking freshmen, I forgot what year it is, but the year that Kid Ink was a freshman, we listened to the music, we liked it, we went and we you know, got to know him, then we saw him perform live and once we saw his live performance we were like all right we've got to pay attention to this kid because the crowd gets it and that was the real center for us for kid inc was the live performance and the showmanship he had so people are recognizing that in all sorts of different ways also the more you perform the more you can grow as a performer so the more you do it the better you get at it if you're paying attention and respecting it and um adam really really pointed how that was a necessity in order to improve your performance. And that's something Tech 9 said as well. All right, so now we're going to get with Big Crit. Um, every time I see Big Crit, it's a good live show. I think he's very entertaining. It's somebody who doesn't really speak that much. He's not the most personable guy, but I think all of that personality comes out in his performance. So uh, let's see what he has to say about hitting the stage. So you have been, how long have you been performing on stage? When was your first show? Ooh. Lord, <laughs> uh, I say my first show was when I was probably 16, no, three before that, probably 14 years old, in my hometown. I was at a, a sports bar in my city, and I had no business being in there, but uh, I knew the owner of the sports bar, and he he let me and maybe five other people literally get on stage and freestyle songs, uh, probably for like two or three hours. So would you say your stage show, your performance has grown a lot since then? Ah, yes, extreme, extremely. Um, just from getting a real understanding of putting together song structure and then being able to convey that energy that you normally would just only have in the studio when you're writing friends on stage to people so they get a real understanding of what you mean, what you're saying. Um, and at the same time, learning how to, what they what they call work the crowd, or involve the crowd into the music, uh, paying attention to the crowd, participation is extremely important. And not just holding your nuts, walking back and forth, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot more to it. Um, microphone, posture, and all those things go really go into putting on the best possible show. 
And I don't think people really realize that. I mean, we, we also talked to Tech Nine about this topic and, um, you know, did an interview with him. And one fascinating thing he said about that was that, like you just said, was stru- song structure, that writing a song, performing a song, being able to do a song that you can perform it live, recording the song in the studio, so that you have the ability to one day perform it live. Sometimes, you know, with technology, it prevents it. So being able to, like you're saying, build a song that you can actually perform, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, because you could, I mean, even with flows, like you can rap as fast as you want in the studio because it's all good when you get on stage. Are you going to be able to uh, really execute that, that verse or that song? And if you and if you can, if you practice, it makes it makes just good for uh, for mic presence, just for show, you know, atmosphere. Because, um, you know, people definitely want to see something that they've never seen before. They, they definitely want to get a good understanding of you as a person or how how serious you take your craft. And I think when you can get on stage and not rap over the two track with the with your vocals already in it, but actually having the, the, the verse open and then they can hear your voice with a lot more clarity and not you rapping over yourself. That all that 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 alone shows that you take your craft a little bit more serious than others. Well, even practicing, I mean, I, I, after years of covering hip-hop, I don't know a lot of artists kind of practice their live shows, a few of them, and probably those are the ones with the stronger live shows. But, you know, talk about what your practicing is like. I think a lot of people might think it's stupid to think that you're practicing how to perform in front of people, but it seems like it's not stupid. It seems like it's pretty valuable. What do you do? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, I definitely rehearsed for this tour, um, critically acclaimed tour, because it's my first time. Um, on you know, actually having a band come out, but even before then, it would be me and uh, my DJ, and we run over the records and try to get a good format and a good flow. So the you know it, just so the songs and like I always stop it and it ain't just a random record that didn't seem like it goes. Like I always wanted to have a kind of show that it just it was a roller coaster ride, you know. And then certain songs came on right when they were supposed to, and then there was a a certain break where it made sense, you know, because you want people to have fun, you want to turn up, but you don't want to turn up for 15 songs, you know, it, it doesn't work that way. You also want to say something important. You want to slow the pace of the show down. And all these things go well when you rehearse, you know, and you go through the catalog and you find a spot where the DJ can do his thing too and then spots where you can engage with the fans because you also need to be able to talk to them and get a good understanding of, what they were looking for, for um, from you. You know, they have to see your personality on stage as well, man. So you definitely need to rehearse. What's the difference between rehearsing and practicing? Are you talking about the rehearsing before the show that you have, or are you talking about physically practicing and being in front of a live crowd? Is there a difference to you? Well, rehearsing for me is uh, like you. I think that rehearsing to a current show, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, psh, any at any break, I feel like as an artist, you should still always be going over your words in your head. And even once you get done with a song, it's the idea of riding around, listening to it, getting comfortable with saying certain words, how to perform the hook in a way where it's impactful, and then kind of bringing it back down a doubt the verse. And that just goes from walking around your crib or trying to figure out the best way to execute the song on stage. But a rehearsal should kind of involve everybody. If you got your friends that do, um, you got a hype man, or you got a DJ, you got some background singers or something that that calls for everybody to be in the room and know where their what their place is or how to work the crowd. You know, especially if it's a hype man, he should kind of play back. You know, 
execute on certain words to give you time to breathe while you're on stage. Right, right. Uh, what about interacting with the crowd? You know, sometimes an artist will, you know, do a limited interaction. Some of them will actually have a conversation, you know, talk to them, interact, sit down. What do you find is best in order to get the crowd to kind of respond to you? What do you think are the little pieces of things that get the crowd to kind of in your hand or to be yours? I mean, you, you, you want to make it an experience. You know, people not only want to see you perform the song, but they, they still want to get to know you. You know, some things, it, it, it could be just as easy as expressing what inspires you to make that specific record before you perform it. You know, it could be asking them what's on their mind right now or even talking about topics that are going on in the world are extremely important at these shows because I mean, we all are kind of subject to the same content, to the same things in life, political and all that, you know, and it's important to really show that you are up to date with those things and that those things affect you in everyday life, right. you know, and it, it turns into more than just you on stage and it's entertainment. It turns into an experience. It turns into a vibe, you know, and it helps with the show format. It just helps with the show at all because then you go to do a song that somebody listens to every day when they clean it up, when they ride to work, and they don't feel like you just upset they feel like they want to say it back to you, and it just makes for so much more energy and just a, a more enjoyable time, you know. Right. How do you um? How do you decide how you're going to run the order of your songs? Does that you know what you're going to perform? Does that play a role? You know, your actual set uh, for the show play a role in your performance. Do you try to pe- take people on a a journey of you know hitting with the hits to begin with, hitting with the um jet Like, how do you break up what the order is? Uh, well, me, it's about the journey. It, it ain't about having a, a hit record or nothing like that because a lot of people that know about my music, it was never about one song. So I get on stage and perform up to an hour and 15 minutes of content um, that is could be considered back from 2010 up to now, 2015. So right. it's just about keeping in mind all the songs I have put out, what songs that people are accustomed to me doing and over the years I've done and trying to change it up. And then having a band wanting to do the record that I normally don't get to do. Do the record that I get. I see I see people on social network asking me all the time, and we didn't have the means to do it. And just trying to incorporate something new, take people on a journey, and then showcase what my personality is now in the quote. Then you have to do that because you can't get on stage and perform the records that don't reflect who you are at that very moment. you got to be able to do it all. And, you know, you, I, you're not going to get it right all the time, but then that makes for people to want to come back out next time with hope that you might do their favorite song. All right, so that was Big Crit, former XXL freshman. Um, I've seen Big Crit perform quite a few times, and always for somebody who doesn't have a huge, uh, you know, big open personality, he really comes to life on stage, and maybe that's where he's most comfortable, but that's always a big part of, you know, your audience wants to get to know you. Um, and that's something that Crit had mentioned. He's like, you know, think of it as that people want to get to know you, so they're coming to their shows kind of to take a piece of you with them. You know, they sure just a T-shirt or whatever merch you're selling, but besides, and merch is a whole different game of, of, of making money on that side, a la TDE um, and Strange Music and all of them. But 
that they want to take a piece of you. They want to enjoy the show. They want to know who you are. They want to come to the show and, and see their favorite songs, but they also want to interact with you. So talking off stage, interacting with the fans, you know, talking between your songs, um, coming to life on stage, that's all gives everybody an opportunity to get to know you. And that's a huge part of building your fan base. You know, they want to chill with you. They want to, you know, be a friend, that kind of thing. They think you're cool. That's a, a huge factor of it. So, um, that's something that uh, Crip pointed out. Another good thing that I had never thought about before, but I'm not a performer, so go figure, um, is Crit said how the hype man's role, how important the hype man's role. The hype man who I thought was just, you know, running around stage to get everybody going, a la Splish Star, you know, even Kendrick was a hype man for J-Rock at some point. Um, but I thought that their job was kind of just really literally to get the crowd hype. But it also is somebody who helps you get your breath as an artist. So, you know, you just did a big song or a few songs back to back. Now you want to go backstage and change your shirt or get some water or, you know, just breathe. Uh, take a breather. The hype man is there to, and helps you with that. So the best relationship you can have with the hype man for your showmanship and, and bouncing off of each other is essential. In addition to what Crit said was that your relationship with your DJ be important and uh, and smooth because the DJ needs to know what song's coming up next, when to bring the song back, um, you know, all those different things that you've seen rappers before, 50 Cent's known for it, you know, having meltdowns with your DJs and, and in the middle of the show and getting rid of them or, you know, having to find the right DJ. So having that relationship and having, you know, that showmanship with your hype man and your DJ and whoever else is on stage with you and that you can play off of each other is very important, um, says Crit, along with rehearsing, which we come back to. Um, all three of our guests today reiterated how important rehearsing was and, you know, that there's a reason for it. You know, it, it makes your show better and, and you get something out of that. So um, I think it was kind of a longer episode than usual. We've got some great interviews. Um, take your time listening to them. And, you know, we'll be back next week. We have another episode. Next week's going to be networking, um, you know, learning how to get the contacts and make the contacts and keep the contacts and, and reach out to people that you don't know or make a better relationship with people that you do know. Um, and we've got a few special guests for that. Um, one other thing is, you know, we did reach uh, kind of a Christmas break, halfway mark with the break. And what we want to do now is start getting some of your guys' music. We know a lot of you are reaching out to us, sending them all different people on staff. You're sending, you're texting, you're tweeting. Send your music to xxl at xxlmag.com. We want to hear some of you guys, girls, whoever it may be. We want to hear your music. Um, it's always best to send sample free if you can, but send us what you have. We'd love to listen. We're not sure what we're going to do with everything yet, but definitely we want to get you guys on our radar, particularly people who are listening to this podcast and, and to see what you got out of it. So shoot us an email, xxl at xxlmag.com. Tell us what you think of the podcast. Tell us what you're getting out of it. You know, tell us what you'd like to know more about. And also send us some of your songs. Do not send us 10 songs. Do not send us everything. Send us, you know, one, two, three of your favorite songs that you think are strongest that represent you. And uh, make sure you give us the name of them, you know, and make sure everything makes sense. We know who you are. We can get in touch with who we wanted to. Again, we're not sure what we're doing, but we definitely want to hear what you guys are making. So please, new artists, don't go nuts. But if you're getting something out of this podcast, um, check, you know, reach out to us at xxl at xxlmag.com. Make sure to put something in the subject that stands out and lets us know that you're coming from the podcast. And also tell us what you think of the show. Thank you very much. This is Vanessa Satin with Double XL's The Break, where new artists come from.